They're bringing praises and they're telling everybody they can possibly tell that he has come. The redemption is here. The Redeemer is here. Welcome to In Grace with Jim Scudder, Jr. He is the senior pastor of Quentin Road Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, Illinois, and the president of Dayspring Bible College in Mundelein, Illinois. You're listening to In Grace, and I'm Jim Scudder. Today, we are continuing in our message. It's called The After Christmas Effect. What happens when the lights are turned down and the trees put away and the, the company leaves? You know, what happened after Jesus was born? What, what were the next things? And sometimes we just kind of celebrate Christmas on one day. No, Christmas really is, is all the time because he is the one that entered into humanity to bring us salvation. And so we're going to talk more about the things that happened, Jesus becoming poor so that we might be made rich, uh, entering into the, the world in a poor person's family. We know that because Mary and Joseph offered the uh, bird instead of a, a lamb uh, when they brought Jesus to the temple. They also met Simeon and Anna, and and, and we're going to talk about some really powerful events that happened after Christmas. And so we want to we want to kind of correlate that to our lives and say that God isn't done working the day after, the two or three days after Christmas. God is at work every day. And so we're excited about that. Let me mention one thing before we get into today's message. Uh, we are going to come to you in grace. We have these events around the country. We've been to the Milwaukee area, Tampa. We've been to San Francisco and to South Dakota. We're going to, in early February, go out to Arizona. I know a lot of you listen and watch out in Arizona, especially in the Phoenix area. I can't wait to meet you. We only have about 100 tickets, and I know half of those are already gone. These are free tickets. We're going to be speaking about the end times and Israel. We're going to be bringing you beautiful music, some vocalists, and some wonderful food. It's all free, and we just want to get to know you. And so if you'd like to come together in Grace, Arizona, go to our website, ingraceradio.com. Click on Gather in Grace. If you live in America you have more than 99% of the people in the world. I don't care what level of income you are at, you are rich compared to most people. And I've traveled, I've been there. I've seen just awful, abject poverty in Calcutta. I've seen it in Manila. I've seen it in Accra. It's awful to see. But that's how much of the world lives. Am I trying to make you feel guilty? Kinda, we should because we have so much. And we praise the Lord for the things that he gives us, but we should not let things distract us from serving the Lord and finding true riches through him. So when did the wise men arrive on the scene? You know, in our pageant, he arrived at the birth, right? And that's what you see, the nativity scene that you have probably at home. And we have one uh, that's from Israel. It's carved out of olive wood, and it's beautiful, and I love it. So you have Mary, Joseph, the baby in a manger. You have some sheep. You have the shepherds, which is all correct. But then you have the wise men, right? So were the wise men there at the birth? 
were there, there at the nativity. Church tradition says that they came 12 days after. That's why we have the song 12 Days of Christmas. I don't think so. I don't think the wise men had arrived yet when they brought Jesus to the temple 40 days after he was born. Why do I think so? Because if they had gold, frankincense, and myrrh, they wouldn't have sacrificed the turtle dove. Okay? They would have had, been able to afford the lamb. And so that's why I think they arrived after this. So let's go back to the story and continue to read. Jesus is 40 days old. They're at the temple in Jerusalem. What a beautiful temple that would be. The place that when he was 12, he would later confound the scholars. 12-year-old confounding the scholars. And then when he was 30, he was infuriating those same scholars at the temple. Or at least their descendants. And so the temple was integral. The temple is the center. And every time we go to Israel, I love Jerusalem and I love being near where the temple stood. And so there Jesus is at 40 days old. He's at the temple and he meets a man. Now the Bible never says anywhere how old Simeon is. We're going to look at Luke 2.25 in a second. But tradition says that Simeon was 113 years old. 113. Now, we don't know how old he was. We have a character that plays Simeon in our pageant. His name is Jim Rindy. He's not a day over 112. Sorry. Sorry, Jim. That wasn't very nice. But we infer that he was older, and certainly uh, after he had seen Jesus, he was ready to die. It's a really cool story. Let's read it. Luke 2.25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. What is that? That's the Messiah. They were hoping and hoping and hoping and hoping. The Messiah would come. The Messiah would come. The Messiah would come. And he was one of them. And he just longed for the Messiah. And I know some of you are longing for the return of the Messiah. I know some of you aren't, and I can usually tell by the way you're living. If you are longing for his return, Simeon was longing for the consolation of Israel. He was longing for that hope of the Messiah, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. Not every person was the Holy Ghost upon in the Old Testament, as today every believer has been indwelt by the Spirit of God and sealed until the day of redemption, but he was. And it was revealed, verse 26, unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And if he was 113, I wonder what he was thinking. Like, how long is this going to go? You know, I bet when he was 80, he's like, okay, it could be any day now. Messiah is about to come. 90. Whoa. He's starting to get really, you know, creaky and old and frail. And 100. Oh, it's got to be coming this year. 110. Lord, what in the world's happening here? You've promised me I'll be able to see this consolation, this Messiah, before I die. 113. Oh, seems like the Lord should have already come back. Maybe this year. Maybe this year. So there he was. He was righteous. He was just. He was devout. He was godly. And he was expecting that he wouldn't see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit, in verse 27, into the temple. 
And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, which was to bring him as the firstborn son, to dedicate him and to offer the sacrifice. And there was Simeon. And it was just this incredible intersection. Then took he him up in his arms. I love holding a little baby. They're so little. They're so tiny. And at first, when we had children, I, I wasn't sure if I should be holding this thing. You know, what if I dropped this child? She would have been pretty upset with me, wouldn't she? Don't drop your children. And there's Simeon, 113. You know, I wonder if he was, you know, shaky. Did, did they want to give the child to Simeon? I don't know. It's just one of those incredible scenes. So there is Simeon holding this little baby boy, the consolation of Israel, the one he had been longing for, and now he is here. What an amazing moment. We've had some incredible moments. Our Christmas Eve service, I think, was an incredible moment, and it brought forth emotion and joy, and certainly this was the moment that he was experiencing. He took him in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, verse 29, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. I'll just tell you this. Once you have met and received Jesus, you also are now prepared to die. Before you've met him, you're not prepared to die. But after you've met him, you don't ever have to fear death anymore. Many people have told me, Pastor, I've been so afraid of dying. When I go down and lay down on my bed and put my head on the pillow, I'm afraid that I'm going to die while I'm sleeping and I'm not prepared. I'm not ready. Well, then you need to meet Jesus. You need to meet him. You need to know him. You need to receive him by faith. And then you don't have to worry about that. You will be ready to die. And there Simeon says, I'm ready to die now. Let me depart in peace. Verse 30, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. This is personal, friends. This is not about your parents' faith. This is not about your country's faith. This is about your faith. Yours, your eyes have to see salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. All people could be saved if they will look upon Jesus in faith. A light to lighten the Gentiles. It's not just a Jewish gospel. It's not just a Gentile gospel. It's a gospel for the world. The glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at these things which were spoken of him. Get ready to celebrate the holiday season within grace. This year, we have fantastic gifts to thank you for your support. With any gift amount, we'll send you 10 Christmas cards featuring original artwork on the front inspiring Bible verses inside, and the gospel on the back. This will help you show Christ's love this holiday season. For gifts of $35 or more, it gets even better. You'll not only receive those beautiful Christmas cards, but also 10 authentic olive wood Christmas ornaments from Bethlehem, Israel. And for gifts of $100 or more, you'll also receive a stunning olive wood nativity scene from Bethlehem a cherished peace that will grace your home for years to come. Are you ready for more excitement? A generous benefactor is doubling all gifts for the remainder of 2023. That's right, your donations will be doubled. So, make this holiday season truly magnificent within grace. Call us now at 800-78-GRACE 
That's 800-78-GRACE. Or visit us at ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Become part of the InGrace family and celebrate the season of giving. Don't miss this special opportunity to take on the matching gift challenge and double your support. That's 800-78-GRACE or ingraceradio.com. A sword shall pierce through thy own soul also that thy thoughts, the thoughts of many hearts, be revealed. The next person that we're going to see after Jesus was 40 days old there at the temple was Anna. Anna means grace, and she's called a prophetess. Now, there's prophetesses in the Bible. We read about Miriam and Deborah, and even in the New Testament, the four daughters of Philip were prophetesses, and they would bring forth the word of God. And both men and women can be used mightily of God. Luke 2 Verse 36, and there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Panuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age. So we have another old person. And had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow, about four square. Square is 20, so that's 84 years. So she had been a widow 84 years. She had gotten married. They'd lived seven years, and then he had died. Remember, a widow in Israel was a really, 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 really hard, hard thing. And she was a widow for all of these years. You know, you might be going through something tough. This might be your first Christmas without a spouse. This might be your first Christmas after being divorced. This might be your first Christmas after losing a child. Let me just tell you this. She, although she went through this really hard thing in her life, we're about to see a woman that was still dedicated to a good God, didn't blame him, kept serving, didn't quit, was faithful. And then she gets to see this little baby, this little Messiah that had entered into the world. She served God, it says, in the temple area. Although she wasn't from the tribe of Levi, she was from the tribe of Asher, she still served. She was there and she wanted to serve the Lord every day. It says in verse 37, she served God with fastings and prayer night and day. Very dedicated. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for the redemption of Israel. So now we have not only Simeon, but now this Anna, old, old people, but they're bringing praises and they're telling everybody they can possibly tell that he has come. The redemption is here. The Redeemer is here. And then Luke 2, 39, and when they had performed all these things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee according to their own city, Nazareth. So it seems from this verse, after Mary and Joseph had brought Jesus to the temple the 40 days after his birth and they dedicated him, she was fulfilling her laws of purification, now they went back to Nazareth. But there's a problem with that, and that is that Matthew 2 tells us that Jesus went to Egypt. So people say, see, the Bible's wrong. There's a discrepancy. So how do we answer that? Well, I'll just tell you this. I've been studying this book my whole life. I've never found an error, okay? It's incredibly accurate, incredibly profound, written over thousands of years by so many different people, but one theme, beautiful, beautiful prose. This is God's word. Okay, so how do we understand that? Luke says they went to Nazareth, and Matthew says before they went to Nazareth, 
they both agree they went to Nazareth and Jesus was raised there. But before that, Matthew talks about Magi coming from the east and fleeing to Egypt. So let's read those verses and let's think about how this could be. Okay? Look at Matthew chapter 2 and look at verse 13. The wise men had just made the visit. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt, and be there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And that's what they did. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. And they were there unto the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. So there were many prophecies about Jesus, one that he would be born of a virgin, one he would be born in Bethlehem, but he would also flee from Egypt and be from Nazareth. How could all these things possibly be true of one person? Well, he's born in Bethlehem because of a decree from Caesar Augustus. And he fled because of Herod's wickedness of wanting to kill this baby. So how old was Jesus? Well, when Herod asked the wise men when they saw the star, and then he decided to kill all the babies from two years and down. By the way, you can read this in extra biblical literature, a reference to Herod killing these babies two years and under. It's another place in archaeological literature. And so, why two on down? Well, I think Jesus was more than just a few days old. He was more than just 40 days old. I feel like Jesus was probably between a few months and two years, probably somewhere in the middle of that. So when the wise men brought him gifts, he's probably, let's say, one. Maybe they were gonna start living in Bethlehem permanently. But now, they couldn't, right? Because Jesus was gonna have to be from Nazareth. He was be called a Nazarene. And so, God allowed Herod to do this, and so they flee to Egypt, as, as predicted. And then Matthew 2, 19, when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel. How long were they there? We don't really know. But however long it was, when Herod finally died, it says, For they are dead which sought the young child's life. And he arose and took the young child and his mother came into the land of Israel. Now, it's interesting as we read this, it almost sounds like he's going to bring him back to Judea, which Judea is where Jerusalem was and where Bethlehem was. But when he, meaning Joseph, heard that Archelaus did reign in Judah in the room of his father Herod, he was afraid to go thither, notwithstanding being warned of God in a dream. He turned aside into the parts of Galilee. Where's the Galilee? It's up in the northern part of Israel. That's where Nazareth was. I think he was going to come back from Egypt to go back to Bethlehem, but said no because of the possibility of Herod's son, Herod's ancestors, uh, killing Jesus. We're just going to go on up to where we used to live. All the prophecies fulfilled exactly as predicted. Incredible, incredible. Let's continue in verse 23. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. So you say, why didn't Luke mention that? Why didn't Luke mention that? Luke made it sound like they finished the temple after 40 days of, you know, Jesus 40 days old, and they went back to Nazareth. Well, at your eulogy, you're probably going to have 
your uncle come up and talk about you, and he's probably going to forget to say that you were a science major in junior college, right? They're not going to give every last detail. As a matter of fact, the gospel writers say, we can't tell you everything that happened. So I think there's room in Luke 2 to say that he went to Nazareth. You could even insert the word eventually went back to Nazareth, but Luke wasn't going to be giving all those details, but Matthew did. So we put these things together. They don't contradict. It actually all makes sense to me that that's how it would have happened. So let me just finish with this. What will the after Christmas effect be for you? Well, remember the story continues. Jesus grew up. He did many great works and miracles, and he died proclaimed innocent. He died perfect, innocent, did not deserve this, but he came for this reason. He died for you. So hopefully the after Christmas effect will be first, I need a savior. I need to see Jesus. I need to believe in him, to trust in him. He died for your sins on the cross and rose again. And when you put your faith in him, the first time, the one time you trust in him, the Bible says that you are a son of God. And that can never change. It's by grace that you're saved through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. It's not of works lest any man should boast. So the first after Christmas effect should be receive the gift of eternal life by faith. And then the story doesn't end at salvation either, does it? It continues. Just like Jesus' story continues today. It's not over. The story in the Bible continues. And so does the impact of Christmas continue for you. The day after Christmas, the next day, the next day, the next day, the next day. Just like Anna, just like Simeon, just like the shepherds, let us proclaim the message of hope to a hurting world. That there is a God. He loves us. We've sinned against him, but he sent his dear son a remedy for our sin. The firstborn, God's only son. And although Mary and Joseph did not bring a lamb to the temple to sacrifice, they actually did. They brought Jesus, the lamb, to sacrifice for my sins. And let me just ask you this. Have you put your faith in the Lamb of God, the one that came to die for our sins, the perfect Lamb, the perfect human sacrifice? He died for you. He paid for your sins because we couldn't. We're impoverished. We have nothing. But Jesus, the, the richest person ever, became poor so that we might be rich. He paid the penalty. And some people think the the terrible part of the passion of, of Jesus was the physical, you know, beatings and being nailed to a cross and, and all of that. Certainly terrible. I mean, beyond the pale of what a human should endure, it's torturous what he went through. But the worst of it was something we'll never understand, we'll never comprehend. He became sin. The father turned his back on his son. And so we we can't fathom that, but that's what he did. That's how much he loves you. And he died for your sins and rose again, and he wants to save you. All you have to do, 
It's not about religion. It's not about being better, being baptized, giving to charity. It's about putting your trust in Jesus, believing in him. Not in your priest or pastor, because we certainly can't save you. Putting your trust in Jesus, he can. And if you've done that, we would love to know about that. Contact us, 1-800-78-GRACE, 1-800-78-GRACE. We also have some Christmas cards left over. We'd love to send them to you so that you're ready for next Christmas. Call us at 1-800-78-GRACE. Make a gift of any amount. We're going to thank you by sending you 10 beautiful original artwork Christmas cards. Your gift will be doubled right now. We have a matching gift campaign going on. And when you contact us, also ask about our olive wood Christmas ornaments and nativity. Don't miss your chance to be a part of Ingrace's matching gift challenge. A generous benefactor is doubling all gifts for the remainder of 2023. For any gift amount, we'll send you 10 Christmas cards with original artwork as a thank you. For $35 or more, you'll also receive 10 authentic olive wood Christmas ornaments. And for gifts of $100 or more, we have a stunning olive wood nativity scene just for you. Be a part of our matching gift challenge. Double your generosity and pay it forward. Call 800-78-GRACE or go to ingraceradio.com. Thank you for joining us on Ingrace Radio with Jim Scudder, Jr. Ingrace is a member of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Our goal is to share the light of Jesus to a darkening world, helping you find hope, gain purpose, and be a light. You can be that light today by joining our mission to spread the gospel around the world. Just call us, 800-78-GRACE, or go online, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Tune in tomorrow as we continue to explore God's Word and His world on InGrace Radio.